This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, and I am joined by my co-host, Chase. Dude, we are doing something tonight that has got me amped. I, I'm already having trouble focusing at work. You know, I, I wake up to grunts and, and snort wheezes. You know, my mind is on the fall, and we got to talk about the first successful deer hunt of 2020. Yeah, we did, man. It, like you said, it had me it has me jonesing even more to want to get out there. I've been jonesing. It's probably for about like a week now. I've yeah. been kind of going back and forth with uh, somebody, like text messaging, like we're talking tactics and all kinds of stuff, and I'm just like, will the season just get here already, man? Yeah. Uh, I mean, because we're used to hunting in hot weather, anyways. So, I mean, yeah. it, that's that's no different, anyways. It's just like, no. all right, man. This and we still have a little ways to go, obviously. But it was good to have somebody down or on the show from South Florida that kicked his season off in like one of the best ways that you could possibly think about kicking a season off. Um, and you'll all get to hear the story, but it, it was good to hear that Florida season has kicked off and ours is just around the corner. Uh, in That's our it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm amped. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I sit, oh, that was making noise. Yeah. Third, like a month out. I mean, I'm I'm on cloud nine, dude. I mean, my bow is, is shooting like it's supposed to. I am just sitting on a freaking cache of trail cameras. I just can't find the time. Well, it's not even really the time. Every time I go out, the deer are still in their summer patterns, and I really hate to put cameras up when, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be watching them in their summer patterns. So I, I need to just get them out there in areas that I know there's historical sign. But, dude, I've got 10 cameras that are begging to, to, to for some long soaks in the woods, dude, some some forest bathing. Yeah, you do have all them cameras, and <laughs> I think, like, I use a lot of my cameras more in-season than yeah. I would, like, right now. Like, right now, it's like, oh, cool, I got this buck, that buck, but a lot of them, like I said, they, they disperse out. Um, you get new deer that come in. Once the velvet comes off, it's a totally different story, sure. <laughs> especially in Florida. 
because it almost seems like, boom, they're rutting a little bit right out of the gate. It may not be hardcore rut, but they definitely got a doze on the mind, testosterone's building up. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's uh, – I've got I've got some cameras out and stuff and, like say, some of my historical areas and uh, just trying to see, okay, cool, I've got this deer or that deer or maybe some deer that uh, I've got some history with, but I am itching for the season to get started so I can really get my trail cameras out and start – getting some game plans going, uh, especially, and I, I've got this new big piece of public that I'm going to be hunting and I haven't put, we've put a couple of trail cameras out there so far, but I'm really looking forward to getting them out there kind of a little bit closer to the season to kind of give me an idea. Okay. The, these are where the deer are this time of year and, uh, develop a plan, man, to get in there and get after them. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm buying that Georgia that Georgia non-resident license, and I'm going to be getting up there kicking my season off. And, you know, I think what I'm going to do is if I just can't find good historical sign on those WMAs right now, what I'm probably going to do is just hang on to, you know, five or six cameras. And as the season progresses and that sign starts to show up, I'll probably just put them out there. And then I'll have those areas in the back of my mind for areas to survey moving forward. But, uh Dude, we're talking about a dude today that uh, braved a, a, a near miss of a hurricane down in South Florida who who busted himself a beautiful chocolate-wrapped 10-point buck. Um, and, and you want to talk about a guy that is like the epitome of embracing the suck. Tonight's guest, Trent, is just a freaking animal. You can tell he just gets off on how difficult Florida is to hunt. And, I mean, that kind of attitude is contagious. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, he, he really, bow hunting, it sounded like, was his real passion. He talked about sure. that he hardly ever picks up a gun anymore. And just how the challenge of Florida really gets him going. Like, that's what drives him. Uh, the theme of it is, a lot of the theme is hard work pays off. <laughs> like you mentioned, Byron. A lot the white of experience. Work. <laughs> He's always talking about hard work pays off. And in South Florida, you've got to put the work in. I mean, yeah. just from listening to him, we've never been down there, so we haven't really had that experience yet. But uh, he's been hunting down there for a while now, and it, it really you've really got to got to have a passion to stick with it because he kind of talked about how some of these areas, it took him three or four years to learn. And yeah. you're not just going to get instant success down there, it doesn't sound like. So you really got to put the time in, and we've got some – uh, new listeners that are going to be hunting that area. And I think that was good. It will be good for them to hear that, hey, get out there, learn uh, the areas, boots on the ground, use trail cameras, but don't ex necessarily expect to go out there and just light it up uh, year one. I mean, it may right. take a while. Yeah, no, totally. And on the on the topic of, of new listeners, I know we've got some new subscribers to Patreon and uh, we, we got to give them some love before we get on to the episode. So huge thanks to Jason and Dustin Miller for joining Patreon. You guys have been entered as well as all the other Patreons that are existing into the Carbon Fiber Tinja Ninja, Timber Ninja Outdoors giveaway that we're doing. This is over $300 of the world's finest climbing system we're giving away just to say thanks for supporting the show. So uh, big shout out to everybody who who has signed up to support the show. I know that Marco Polo group is booming, and uh, Chase and I are brainstorming some exclusive content that'll show up in the uh, Patreon group in the coming weeks. So, um, yeah, man, I think with that, let's get everybody to the show to uh, 
hear the story of what could be the first buck killed in the fall of 2020. Let's do it. All right, we are on the phone with Trent Streeter of South Florida. Dude, thank you for taking time out your evening to talk with us. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, any chance we get to kick off hunting stories on August 6th when we record this, this is a welcome uh, a welcome change for us. So thank you for killing something so quickly. <laughs> it was about two hours into opening day, and I was uh, home for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> If, if only my season could start like that one day. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Trent, dude, you're from South Florida. Why don't you kind of give everybody the brief as to who you are and, and what you pursue down there? Yeah, grew up in uh, South Florida. Um, have been hunting a lot in the Midwest since I was a kid. And uh, as I got uh, left college and moved back down here, uh, I got back into archery in a big way. And decided I might as well start chasing our swamp whitetails as close to my house as I could find them. And uh, just led me down this journey of chasing deer in the deepest, darkest hell holes you could possibly imagine. <laughs> I don't, I don't think uh, FWC is going to contact you for like a, a glowing recommendation as to why people. <laughs> uh, I didn't say I don't love it. I do, it, I do it for a reason. I'm either crazy or I really, really love it. No, but we have really, really cool deer and cool deer population down here, and I love being outside and I love the landscape that South Florida offers. The giant pine flats meeting cypress heads and meeting oak hammocks and i just think it's a really cool area and a really cool way to chase deer that growing up deer hunting i've never been able to experience so it's just something totally different and new and and really exciting and uh something that if you put the work in is is extremely rewarding to to get one of these deer down yeah yeah i think it's definitely a, a good friend of our podcast byron horton has got a tv sh- or youtube show and his his catchphrase is always hard-earned bucks and mm-hmm. The long, exactly the more time, the more time I spend in Florida, I think, uh, I think we have, we, we, we hold claim to the hardest earned bucks. That's, that's my opinion. What do you think, Trent? That, that sounds right. <laughs> I think that <laughs> wet feet and foot rod and miles and miles and miles through waist deep water is what, is what it takes down here. And something super cool about that. Yeah. You can't get it anywhere else. That's for sure. Not not to the scale that we do. I think it's um, it's it's a cool it's a cool state, man. It's really different. I, I know it's not gonna our, our dialogue isn't gonna attract uh, the whitetail fanatics finest, but you know it's yeah. <laughs> I don't think the buck I don't think the buck commander boys are gonna be making a trip down here. Anytime <laughs> soon, but, uh, uh, they should. Yeah. Yeah. I was hunting. I think it was ninety five degrees. We had a hurricane watch in effect. And I was hunting the rut. So that's what it's like hunting in South Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Opening day. Opening Opening day. day. Yeah. Opening day. Well, uh, Trent, they haven't always opened the season down there as early as they have, correct? I mean, I think it finally got changed because they figured out that the bucks were uh, rutting so early down there. Is that true? Um, It was... uh, a week or two later it wasn't crazy it was still super early but it, okay. it was maybe a week or two later uh this year's the earliest i can remember it for sure 
Right. And you kind of mentioned before we got on that you said they've been rutting for at least a month now. Oh, yeah. We, we've seen them um, cutting cutting lanes and hanging some new stands and uh, have them on camera starting to rut like last week of July, like hard. So they've been going at it for, for some time already. Wow. And they're like, and they just show signs like their necks are all swollen and all that good stuff. Um, our deer aren't that big, so the tiny swollen necks, but <laughs> they'll, they'll be full, they'll be full curled lips chasing after does. Silly, just running does all over as far as fast as they can. Okay, how, how long does that last down there, or is it just like a trickle for so most of the season? It's it's not like it, the Midwest where it just goes, goes, goes. We'll have like the first round of does go in, and it'll kind of taper off, but we'll get another big round here in a week or so well they'll just seem like it's a rut all over again um the doe cycle and the does will cycle all year fawns will drop crazy times um you'll have random does just cycling in the most random times like november december down here and dropping does it's uh it's pretty it's pretty odd <laughs> how does how do you even yeah. approach that uh you Hope for the best. Spend a lot of time on the stand. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that you're, I mean, not everybody gets to start their season off like rut. I mean, most people have to wait generally a month and a half or so to two months, and then some areas even longer uh, before the rut hits, uh, especially in Florida, that could be the case. But it's kind of cool. Yeah, and I, I mean, and I love archery hunting. Um, I a majority of my hunting is with a bow. Uh, very rarely do I pick up a rifle anymore. So it's really, really cool that we have the start of our archery season in full-blown rut. That's, I don't think any other state does that. That's really, really cool to me. Right. Yeah, th- yeah, that's true. There's a few areas up where I'm at where, because we start September 19th. It's always, I think, like the third Saturday of September up here. And it, we're talking about the rut is like even some of the counties are up here is – They'll be 20 to 30 miles to the south of where I'm at. They'll be in full rut, like opening day uh, up here, um, some of the bucks. And then my where I'm at, the deer won't go into rut till probably maybe a month or so after the season has started where I'm at. So I think that's just kind of neat on Florida in general on how when you when the rut actually starts. Some people can get it in bow season where I'm at. It's mainly like when our muzzleloader season opens is when you see a majority of the rutting because, like you mentioned, they're, they're breeding does. It seems like almost year-round. I have a doe on trail camera that I sent uh, Walter the other day that looks pregnant as can be, like she's fixing to drop a fawn up here. And then I've, ha- I've got some that I've been seeing for a while, and then other ones have already started to lose their spots. So it's just all over the gambit even up here. Yeah, it's wild. Have you ever looked at the FWC rut map by any chance? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a weird. <laughs> and then it's just what's what's with the random circle that's like January thirty first, like the middle of the state. <laughs> yeah. It's just a random circle of deer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. I think it was that zone B or something like that. <laughs> yeah, they open up later. It's weird that just that one little isolated pocket that opens up like in October or something like that. I'm just like, geez, that it's just so strange. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun state. I take that back. If the Buck Commander guys uh, get a hold of this, come on down. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You challenge challenge anybody to come on down is what I would is what I would do. <laughs> All these guys that kill giant bucks in the Midwest be like, come on down to South Florida yeah. <laughs> and kill just just kill a buck. It doesn't even have to be a giant buck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You say that you don't know of another state that does that. Um there's a unique little section of Georgia on the coast that the third week of archery season tends to be peak rut. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's really weird, man. It's it's it. It always, you know, you talk about. We talked about before we hit go how uh, there's a lack of like relatable content for Florida. Uh, Southeast yeah. Georgia is even more weird in that regard because you know the majority of the states in November rut, but then in Southwest, extreme Northeast, and then extreme Southeast, it's you know all over the map, and it's just you know pine flats and cypress heads like you said it's it's kind of kind of similar to that so just you might enjoy that that little tidbit of random useless information <laughs> what does what does your before we go into the story what does your your preparation go into going into the season look like for like for me i'm just now getting my cameras out do you run cameras and do you run them like what starting in may june um so on this piece of private that uh i got uh access to uh so this is my second year hunting this particular piece of private uh last year was the first year we hunted it and it was kind of a learning experience last year we kind of got late uh privilege to it and took some time to get used to it so we we kind of knew better how the deer reacted uh going into this year so we set started setting cameras in probably may Right after turkey season, a couple months after turkey season ended, we we probably started setting cameras there. And I did the same on all the public that I typically hunt. I I started setting cams on the public as well. So I've had cam soaking for a long time. Um, I feel like down here, cameras are a huge tool to try to get an idea if you're in a bus bedroom or not. Right. Um, I think a lot of people are trying to focus on figuring out where their bedrooms are at. Uh, these days especially florida where it's almost seems like they can i don't know about down in south florida but i know up here is that they can literally almost bed anywhere uh, up here so is that the same down in south florida yeah but if you find a consistent bedding area i mean i hunt almost exclusively pinch points or bedding areas if i find consistent bedding uh i'm, I'm gonna hunt there all day um I really, really like hunting bedding area because they'll eat absolutely anything. I'm not going to hunt food down here. They'll eat absolutely anything. Uh, travel corridors can be hit or miss, but if there's consistent bedding and it's fresh beds, I know they're, they're going to be deer coming into that at some point throughout the day, especially with how hot it gets. They're going to be moving into this deep, thick, shaded bedding area at some point. So I'll hunt trail to and from bedding uh, most of the time. Okay, and do you find those areas? How do you find the bedding? Are you just a lot of uh, boots on the ground type deal in your cameras? Um, a lot of boots on the ground, and then I'll start setting cameras. If I find a bunch of deer droppings and a bunch of matted grass, and I visit it two or three times, and it's consistently somewhere in that area, and I can see the trail they're using to get in and out, because most of it is extraordinarily thick. Um where they're actually going to bed is super, super thick. I mean, I've seen them bed down in the middle of a cow field, so they really, a lot of the deer don't care. But right. uh, a, a lot of the stuff that they use, especially this early in the season, is very thick cypress stones where it cools off 
and uh, it's just not nearly as hot. Gotcha. So I'll just focus on getting my sat maps and looking for those areas and doing boots on the ground and following the trails until I can't walk through anymore and <laughs> just look for fresh beds. And Okay. Well, what's a good card pool for you? So say you go to check your cameras. What, what would that kind of look like uh, on your public land and on your private? Public land, any single buck on it, good card pool. It's <laughs> it can be a spike. I'm stoked. <laughs> public land yeah absolutely anything um if i see a turkey on one of my poles down here and i see an osceola on it i am through the roof i just love seeing them uh but yeah any deer on public i'm happy even if i have a good group of does that come through consistently i'm happy with that on on public uh private this farm uh we that we got access to we kind of uh it was one of my buddies went to law school with a guy who owns this farm, doesn't hunt, wanted to get into hunting. So we kind of made this deal like, hey, we'll manage the farm, hang all the stands, set all the cameras, do all the legwork, catalog what herd we have here if uh, we can hunt it with you. And he said, yeah. Turns out the guy doesn't really like to hunt all that much and still lets me and my buddy hunt it. Wow. Um, so deal of the century. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. But uh, so we've been doing a lot of work on trying to manage the herd out there. And it's a great little piece um, and just see what we have. So we have we know most of the bucks that we're seeing at this point. We know, but we'll kind of have an idea before we pull a cam exactly what deer are going to be on it and how often. OK, so, so on your private, would you say you're targeting specific bucks and maybe on public you're just targeting deer? Correct. Public, it's it's hit so hard. And so often uh, down here, unless it's one of the ultra good quotas, that I'm just hunting deer. I'm looking for any deer, deer sign. I want to be where the deer want to be on the public. And then on the private, we have our whole hit list and everything. It's a, it's a good enough area that we can have a, a whole hit list of bucks. Interesting. Such a stark contrast between the two. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a lot of pressure. For how tough hunting is down here, there's a lot of people who like to do it. It's a lot, a lot of pressure. I, I could see that. What what are the what are the bag limits like down there? Do they differ from the rest of the state? Do you still get five deer? It's still five deer. Our antler restrictions change a little bit. Um, so I'm in A. Shoot, I forgot if the private's in A1 or A3. But we're in the one that it's still three points on one side, 10-inch maybe. Uh, but right next door, it goes to five-inch main beam, two points on the side is legal uh we just have slight like lower even lower uh uh like deer management buck limits uh but it's the same amount five so uh, we've heard that a lot of the public land down there doesn't let you shoot does is that true correct so basically they're expecting you to kill five bucks <laughs> yeah that's what i did last year <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, so like a couple of the romping stomps will have like a doe week where you can kill does. Um, a couple of them only during archery season you can take does. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's no doe take on uh, any of the public down here. Wow. So when a couple episodes back we were talking about guys uh, the, the, that we knew there were people out there that killed five bucks. 
evidently mm-hmm. Trent's one of those guys. So uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we we were talking about how you know things have changed a lot in this state, and how you now have a reporting system, and it used to be two deer a day, and you know it's just yeah. a lot is changing quick. Yeah, I like the reporting system. I got stopped with a buck in my truck at a, a WMA coming out, and uh, he checked to make sure I recorded it in the field, and I think that's definitely a, a good step. I don't think that it's a burden or an issue, really. I have to do that in every other state that I've hunted, so why not do it here? Yeah, I think it makes sense, and it helps Florida actually track how many like the deer numbers and how many deers are be or how many deer are being taken each year because before that there's really been nothing. So any number I've ever seen from Florida, I've just gone, that's not accurate because there's no way they can know because there's no reporting system. And I would know people that would take the two deer a day every day to heart. You know what I mean? So there is no way they would know how many deer will be taken in the state of Florida. And I think now it kind of is at least going to give everybody in Florida a good idea of, okay, this is how many deer were taken last year and how many hunters we have and whatnot like that. So I, I, th- I think it's great. And, and we all, and we, we did probably need a limit for sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually glad <laughs> they, that they at least came up with a limit. Yeah. Um, especially if there's people like, the right was like 72 deer or something. Before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We, I think we figured it out. Like if you hunted from zone a to zone D, yeah. I mean, it's like well over three, if you could kill two a day every day, I mean, you could be well over 300 deer in the state of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely insane. For anybody listening, we always stopped ourselves well short of that at about 40 or 50. We're not that greedy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Of <laughs> Yeah, why do you think I only got five last year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. It definitely made me pickier last year. I, I can say that um, for sure. I had a great season last year, but uh, there were some that I probably, like on some of my private, where I'm like, well, I think I need to take this deer out or whatnot. But then I'm like, well, no, because if I do that now, then I may – that t- that tag's gone now, and my chances of going somewhere else because I had plans on going to like Zone D to hunt with Walt and stuff like that. But if I do that, then my season's over. So it it definitely made me uh, a little bit more picky than normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and that's good for the state. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think I think once the numbers are made public, I think everybody will agree that the population should should probably come up and. Um, you know, the first step in that is knowing how many we shoot, but, um, you know, the, the buck that we're talking about today, I'm looking at it right now. This has to be perhaps one of the prettiest bucks I've seen. It's, it's, it's good mass all the way through chocolate rack. Let's, uh, let's set the stage for the, for the person sitting at home right now, sitting on his back deck, sweating, drinking, drinking a rum and Coke. He's thinking about hunting season, kind of frame this conversation, um, I have a feeling this was on this this piece of private that you you got access to manage, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. When did you first identify this deer, um, and, and, and identify him as a, a buck you were going to go after? So this uh, is a deer that we had zero history with, had never seen before. Right up until maybe a week and a half before season, we did our last cam check, and he was in one picture. We had one picture of this deer, and he immediately was our number one hit list buck. He's, he was our number one. 
we just had one picture, had no idea if he was just rutting, coming through. We have a, we have a good doe population. We never touch the does on this piece of private, um, even though it's allowed there. So I don't know if he was just coming through, whatever, but we saw him immediately our number one. Uh, that was the only picture we had until I got to stand um, the morning of opener. And I pulled the cam on the way to my stand and checked it in the tree before first light. And there was another picture of him on that cam from the night before, like 2 a.m. Really? Yeah. And that's the only pictures we had of Do you think this is a buck that blew up from last year to this year? Or do you think he's just, just one that you just never got a photo of? I think he just came in from a different property. I don't think it's a deer we had on, on the property at all. Yeah, it makes sense. If they're if they are rutting down there, you always get those bucks that just kind of cruise through <laughs> uh, from other areas. Especially, who knows? You might have had a hot doe in that area. Yeah. And well, I know we did. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Story. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you do your you did your first set. You pull the card while doing it, and you had this photo at two a.m. What, what what did your next step look like? Because you don't have any history with him. How did you go about? Uh, targeting this whitetail well at this point i'm already in the stand for opening day so i was like oh he's still around this is awesome i texted my uh my buddy who i was hunting with like hey i have a picture of that buck um he's like oh dude we should probably sit later just in case he comes by middle of the day or something because they're they're on their feet all day right now running and we were planning on getting down around 11 so i think we changed our plan to one that's the only thing we adjusted we're just going to sit from five to one Why'd you pick the stand? Uh, honestly, I was going to pick the stand my buddy chose because we had much better action back there. He was on the <laughs> very, very backside neighboring a buddy's property, and I wanted that stand and uh, lost some rock, paper, scissors, and I sat that stand because of that. Now, are you nice. saying that? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Are, are, are you saying that because he's going to listen to this and you don't want him to know that you possibly hold him? or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Because because if uh, I feel like I won the better spot and my buddy shoots this deer, I'm calling BS on that real fast. We, we literally played we literally played rock paper scissors to hunt to uh, hunt the spot he was in. <laughs> so so tell me about this doe situation that you've got going on. You kind of touched on that. So this property is a big rectangle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big rectangle. It's uh, just over 600 acres. The front oh, half, wow. so the, the front 320 acres, is complete cow pasture. Just wide, wide open cow pasture. Mm-hmm. Um, and over last year, uh, we have a big boar panther and one, maybe two female cats on camera pretty consistently. Whoa. Um, and that's moved a lot of the deer into this cow pasture. Hmm. Like, you can put out feed, you can do whatever you want, they're not going to touch it, the panthers are keen on it, so a lot of these deer moved into this cow pasture for safety. Makes sense, and it's yeah. A, it's a giant tease hunting them, because if you are hunting a cow pasture, they're never going to get within bow range, a stock would be almost impossible, um, with the cows blowing up your spot and everything else. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, it's just a bunch of deer have moved. So we see a lot of deer out in this cow pasture. The backside of the property is ponds, big cypress heads, uh, a small pine flat before it hits the neighbors and a big oak hammock, which is where our other good stand was that we had a lot of activity in this oak, in this oak stand. 
so I was sitting right on the edge of the, where the cow field, like almost in the middle of the rectangle where the cow field meets the back half of the property in like an ambush spot where they come over from the cow field and behind me is all super, super thick bedding that they all come into either in or out of to go bed in this really thick stuff right on the other side of the cow pasture. Uh, so I'm sitting in stand opening morning right at first light and between a little break and two trees, you can see the cow pasture. So I can pull up my binoculars and I can glass deer every once in a while. And I see this buck and he is just dogging these two does, just chasing them, just absolutely getting after him. Won't leave him alone. They want nothing to do with him. His lips curled. He's chasing after him, drooling, just wants these does. And he's about five, 600 yards away in this cow field. And I'm like, dude, that's him. <laughs> so now i'm sitting in stand haven't seen any deer anywhere in my vicinity i'm watching our number one buck just chasing these does away from me in this cow field that goes forever like a mile long cow field would you, did you call to him to get him to come in closer or what he was he was too far so i just waited hung out about 7 30 he's he's chasing these does and i kind of lose him to the left side of the property where he's he's uh, where there's like a tree line blocking the cow field from the backside of the property. So he runs over to that side and then I'm sitting there and uh, I'm like, just watching the tree line. I have a little doe that comes out and is just like feeding in a little field, probably 15 yards from me uh, under my stand. And I see the shape of a buck walking the cow fence line to the cow pasture, just walking the cow line. Don't know what deer it is. I can tell it's a bigger body deer. It's definitely not a doe because our does are real small uh, down here. So it's a, be- it's a better deer. I watch him. He disappears. I'm like, okay, at least there's a buck in the area. I didn't call. Didn't do anything. He was probably about 100 yards away from me. And then he must have jumped uh, the fence at some point, and he walks over to my right uh, and just standing there in his hand. So he's just standing to my right, 80, 85 yards away, hanging out, looking like he's going to walk straight into the bedding. So I took out my grunt tube, gave him two grunts. He immediately looks over to me, comes into 55. Uh, Looking, like, trying to, like, see, like, where's this guy? He's definitely, like, the big boy on campus. Like, he's the baddest, like, trying to look for a fight. And then he sees the doe under me, and I give him a doe bleep. Oh. He immediately charges into the doe bleat. He sees the doe just coming in hot. Uh, but he's coming in on my open side. I wasn't expecting him really to come from my right. And I'm in a skinny little palm tree. So he comes in from my right. At this point, he gets to 11 yards. Can't stand up. Can't draw. Can't do anything. He's on my backside. I have to completely rotate around. Don't know what to do. He gets downwind of me. Picks up, picks up my wind, takes four big jumps. Boom, 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 boom. And he and he still sees that doe in the field, like, not bothered. So he's, like, looking at her, like, okay, maybe it's okay. Like, that was weird. Like, too horned up to care. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get to stand up, and I have to shoot, like, around this palm tree. And I'm sure I'm shaking so bad, it's probably, like, a family of squirrels are in the leaves of this palm tree. <laughs> <laughs> 
so he's like looking at the palm tree, like looking back at the does, like something's weird. He's at 31. Um, and I drew back and got around the palm tree and, uh, was able to just hit him perfect at 31 yards on my backside, right, right in front of the bedding. God. How far did he go? Did you get to watch him drop? Yeah, he made it 30 yards and then got woozy and tipped over 30 yards down the trail to the, to the thick bedding. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I think only in Florida do they do, do bucks in full rut still like retain their sense of of like awareness the idea that he he winded you and still bounded off mid-rut like that that is that is such a like a florida deer thing man yeah i mean he definitely wasn't like if that was any time of year that deer was gone right because we i mean it was windy like that tree was moving good we we still had like some bands just came through that morning from that hurricane and uh it, it was blowing pretty good so my wind was ripping at this guy uh, and he only, he only took a couple jumps and was like, what is going on? But that was it. He was, and then he just was immediately walked back onto that dough. <laughs> All right, Chase, what are your first thoughts? Well, I mean, like you said, it's opening day and you're getting like full on rut action. I mean, to me, that's just awesome, uh, to begin with. And as far as the winding, if he, you kind of mentioned that maybe he's not a resident on that 600 acres. Like you think he came from somewhere else. Yeah. We have zero history with him. Uh, I see where you're going. Okay. So, I mean, I can kind of see maybe him doing that because he, if that buck's not familiar with that area, maybe it was just one of those things like, Oh, wait a second. That was kind of weird. Um, but, but also he's rut crazy. So I, I've, I've, but I've seen, like I said, I've had spots where bucks were just, I was like hardcore chasing and I made one like little metallic noise and the buck locked up, turned around and went the other way. Just like quit chasing the doe was like, nah, I'm not coming out there <laughs> at all. And I'm like, what the heck man, you're supposed to still keep going. You're supposed to like, just look around and go, Oh, that was just, I don't know what that was and keep going after this doe. <laughs> but I mean, he, he straight up was like, uh, uh-uh. I mean, he locked up. I mean, he was on a full sprint locks up, like looks both ways and he, makes a 180 and just takes off the other way. And I'm like, man, you were hardcore on that dough. Come on, man. I actually ended up shooting him. I actually ended up shooting him when he, cause he went around me. Um, I think maybe to try to go around and get back, uh, get back uh, out into the opening from a different area. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you dream of on opening day. You don't even have to wait uh, two months to get hardcore running action uh before and it's funny how it all kind of worked out for you like you lost in rock paper scissors yet you ended up ultimately with the better spot now do you do you have you heard about saddle hunting or or would you even been able to hunt out of a saddle in a palm tree uh like you were have you ever thought about saddle hunting yeah i feel like a saddle would have been better we just have a hang on um on this tree just to get in and out easy i feel like a saddle would have definitely made it easier because i would have already been in that like draw position and i would have been able to shoot him at 10 yards (laughs) right (laughs) so so what you're saying is you're ordering a saddle soon (laughs) i've already been thought about it just going in four miles on a piece of public down here like to not carry a 25 pound climber would be luxury yeah yeah yeah, that's how I was gonna. I was gonna ask you about that on because you were talking about you were hunting from a stand there, but obviously when you're going into your big public land over there, you're obviously you're hiking in with all of your stuff. So sounds like you hunt out of a climber. 
when you go out there. Interesting. So depending how depending how confident I am, sometimes I'll just drag the game cart out with me through all the nasty thick stuff and just attach the stand to that and just rip it through. So um, I got a question for you. Just conflicting yeah. parts to this that I just want to like. There's got to be more to the story. You mentioned that all these deer were staying in the in the cow pasture for for obviously protection from the cougar. Why were you still hunting the thick stuff? Because bow hunting in the cow field, I did that all of last year. Gotcha. Because there's so, so many deer, it's just so hard to have. Like it's just luck of the draw to have a deer come into you. But just because it's it's literally 300 acres and it's pretty skinny so it just goes forever so you're just sitting up there watching deer all day but to get one inside 60 yards let's say is that chance so we just kind of gave up on that uh for archery hunting but a lot of them still come into the thick bedding that's right between the line of the cow field and the backside a lot of them still come into that bedding a lot of them still go all the way back to the cypress to go feed I mean, we have the same bucks on a camera at the far end of the cow field at night, all the way in the backside of the property on this little pinch point that goes into the, the big oak hammocks that leads to the neighbors. So you're basically hunting some, maybe some limited bedding, but it could, could it also have been like a travel corridor as well? Yeah, it's a huge travel yeah. corridor. Yeah, okay. Huge okay. travel corridor. That makes sense. It, it's funny. You, I don't think there's anybody anywhere in this else in the South that there's competing predators with the whitetail hunter that I can think of. Yeah. Our bear problem is absurd. And, uh, the cougars are starting to get bad. Like we barely have the only pigs on this property are gigantic. Really? Gigantic. My buddy shot a sow that we, we swore up and down. It was a boar. I'll send you, the, I have a video of him shooting it and then me picking it up. Um, I'll send to you guys, but this this sow is pushing 300 pounds easy. That's a big pig. The only pigs that like all the piglets get, get eaten by the cougars. We just have a couple of big giant pigs left um, on the farm at this point. Wow. So you think, you think, you think uh, the piglets are easier prey that for, uh, Oh yeah. Much easier, much easier. Interesting. They make a ton of noise. They stink. It's way easier okay. than, than, a quiet, than a quiet little <laughs> pond sitting in a bush. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They can't escape as quite as fast as a deer can either. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. They're they're sitting just perfect for a panther to get them. I have a video of a panther walking by the stand, too. I can send to you guys. Yeah, oh, that'd man. That'd be awesome. Do y'all get good fawn recruitment down there? then you'd be surprised yeah pretty good because we watched a bunch of fawns come up and we had a bunch of does with their little yearlings that are basically that just dropped their spots um it's pretty good it's surprisingly good hmm. okay so you've got bear you've got what python gators panthers do y'all have coyotes down there yep coyotes we got bobcats we got coyotes golly <laughs> go man <laughs> <laughs> them deer got to be jumpy down there are they super jumpy oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh, i can only imagine uh, <laughs> what about on a shot Hold on. what about on a shot with like your bow like are they like jumping the string hardcore down there or not um i i've never ever had an issue with them jumping a string i've had more of an issue in kentucky um, on, on my piece up there with them jumping strings than, than here for whatever okay. reason. Interesting. Mm. 
I think it's just too hot. They just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> they hear the arrow coming. They're like, take me now. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, I'm as good a time as any. <laughs> exactly. I'll die a quick death as opposed to a panther jumping on me. <laughs> we have a lot of, well, I wouldn't say a lot of, but we have had an influx of South Florida hunters um, join the podcast. One of our patrons, uh, Chris, he is down there. He is like, we're talking real new to to hunting. He has been going out there and brush busting and putting forth the effort and putting out trail cameras and I'm curious what your advice to him would be. I think Chase wasn't he at at Corbett at one point. Yeah, he's on Corbett, and I think he's got a big Cypress quota hunt or something like that. Right up to yep, sounds so. like South Florida boy. Yep. Yeah, he's yep. down and he's definitely down in your area. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What um, What is your advice to him? He's trying to figure this area out. There aren't a whole lot of good resources. What would you tell him if he was listening? Uh, give it three to four years of uh, all day sits and put it in. You'll it out <laughs> there you go. Well, that's Chris. actually good to hear, though. At least he's speaking the truth. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So just not to have super high expectations your first year. Go in. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because I've had buddies that are just like get fed up, especially bow hunting. Especially bow hunting. Um, I've had buddies that get involved and they just don't. It's just. They go in with a very different expectation from what it is. You're, you have to embrace the suck. You have to know that it's going to be hot. It's going to be buggy. It's going to be miserable. You're going to have to walk way farther than you want to. That's just all part of it. You're going to have to put the months of time in advanced scouting that still might not even pay off. It's just the way it works down here. It's super pressure. You're going to have somebody set up right on top of you. Uh, one of the spots I killed the buck in Corbett last year um, – one of my Corbett bucks, I went back this year to check out and it's deep in and somebody had hung a ladder stand, even though you're not allowed to hang ladder stands yet, literally on the tree I hunted out of. God, how Two did he get it back deep, there? It, random spot. It's the buggy guy. They oh, oh, I got you. Rip the buggies, rip the buggies, <laughs> whatever they want. <laughs> well, talk, talk about the buggies a little bit for everybody. Like what, what's that about? Um, it's kind of like a boat. It's good to have a friend with a buggy, but it's just going to be a headache if you have your own buggy sort of deal. <laughs> right. um, it's, it's a good tool. It, it definitely is something that has its place hunting down here. You'd, it'd be impossible to hunt a huge amount of our, of our accessible lands uh, without a buggy. Uh, it's just we need a better culture of people with buggies because they really don't like following whatever rule, like stay on trail. Because, like, I'm on foot. I'm not taking a buggy out there. So if I hike where I'm two miles between any numbered buggy trails in, in this spot that I know there's deer, like, a buggy could just rip right up on me. Mm. And it's super, super frustrating, especially hunting on foot. But I'm four miles deep, and somebody's just racing their buggy out there, like, ten minutes before first light. They're getting out there on a buggy and just kind of ruining it. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that it, it's impossible for FWC to enforce because – you can't cover all that ground. I don't know how they would possibly enforce it, but um, yeah, we just had a better just culture around the buggy hunting where people stayed on trail when they're supposed to. Cause you can go off trail during small game season. You can go wherever you want and scout and do whatever you want on your buggy. But during season, just stay on trail, please. 
<laughs> it kind of sounds like it's one of those things where you either have to acknowledge that they're going to be, be, be people that abuse it and live with yeah. it or just ban it outright. And that just seems like it's going to end up ruining, you know, a lot of people's yeah. time. And that just, it's unfortunate, but. Well, I figured that he could tell the uh, alligator story um, before he gets off, just so some of our northern listeners can really get an appreciation for South Florida hunting at its finest. <laughs> so, uh, I had a quota hunt uh, in this place called the Poi. It's a WMA down here. So, I had a, a muzzleloader quota hunt there, and I'm sitting in the tree, and I have a life flight helicopter fly about. 30 feet over my tree stand just scares the bejesus out of me uh flies right over me i hear i start hearing a bunch of like cop cars and stuff and i'm like kind of in the middle of nowhere they're like driving this, uh like random uh uh telephone pole road to, to something later i find out a guy was hiking around corbett pig hunting stepped over a log onto a 10-foot alligator and turned his leg around for him and uh, had to get medevac. So that's also what you have to deal with hunting South Florida. You can step on gators, snakes, lots of water moccasins. I should, start, yeah. I, should start, I should start guiding. Yeah. yeah. I'd, be, I'd be good at bringing in clients. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. It just it makes me want to get out there even more after hearing that. Story, yeah. For sure. I mean, so for people who don't know what turn, turn his leg around, when a gator grabs you, it spins. So he got took for a ride quick, and it wasn't yeah. a pleasant one. They call it the death roll, which That's is it. pretty apt. <laughs> yeah, but apparently he almost bled out, and the, they found him in time. Holy uh, it was cow. tough finding him because he was kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, but they found him in time, and uh, I guess they got to, they reattached his leg, so it's still there. I'm not sure what his recovery has looked like. Um, I kind of followed up with the story a few months after it happened, um, but his his leg got put back on, so mm. ended up as as good as it can to get grabbed by a ten foot gator, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, dude, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking time out your evening. Where can where can people find you and find photos of this? Uh, this beautiful whitetail. Um, my Instagram is my Instagram is at Trent Street, and uh, can find me there. And I'm pretty sure I'm public, so you can just look away at all the ridiculous nonsense I get up to. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. If you'll hang on one second, we'll chat with you after I close this out, guys. Uh, sorry to the Florida Tourism Board and the <laughs> Southeast Coastal Georgia Tourism Board. That's it. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Well, guys, deer season is upon us. We have officially kicked it off with our first story. If you're jonesing as badly as I am, there's a whole litany of podcasts you can go back and listen to, and we hope that you do, and tell people about the podcast. But most importantly, no matter what you do, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.